How good is it to know that God has good plans for us, right? Amen. You know, this is... It's funny, whenever I get up to minister, this is probably the hardest part of a Sunday for me is doing this, the transition between worship and the message, because this is such a sweet time of just getting to sit in God's presence. It's a sweet time to be able to, um, for me at least, just get to sit and listen to what God has, right? Whether I'm down here, whether I'm up here, it's just a really sweet time to just listen to what God has. And it seems on a Sunday morning, that's the hardest thing for me to do because my mind is racing with all the different things that, like, I have to remember for this morning that that I've gone over probably way more times than I should. But it was funny. I was looking over the worship set for this morning, uh, golly, Thursday afternoon, and all I could think was just the goodness that God has for us. And I know that seems really plain and simple, but it's not that plain and simple. I mean, his love, his goodness for us is so complex that we, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around. And if I've said this before, if I'm beating on a, on a drum that's been beat on before, my apologies, but that's just facts. I mean, his goodness and his mercy that he has for us is so good. And I was, as I was sitting here and I'm listening to what God has, I don't know what people are going through in here. Despite what you may think, I don't see everybody's Facebook posts about what's going on. I don't know everybody's problems. I don't know the issues or whatever may be happening inside of your life, inside of what's affecting you as a person. But what I do know is that our Father has good plans. What I do know is that God has plans to prosper us, right? In Romans 8, 28, I have this in my in my message. That's why it's at the forefront of my mind. But it says that he makes all things work for the good of his people who are called according to his purpose and glory. And who's called? Exactly. Exactly. So with that, I want you to turn to your neighbor this morning and I want you to say, even the introverts, <laughs> I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to say, I'm called. Do it. I'm called. And my father has good plans for me. Amen. Thank you guys. I'll actually jump down here, Riley, if that's okay. The circle. Thank you, Royce. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you. All right. How is everybody this morning? Fantastic. You're a lively bunch. Do you know how much I like that? You guys are like... (laughs) You know? I love it. It's amazing. I love whenever you guys are... I'm just going to say this now because uh, this is this is what I like. I love it whenever you guys are vocal with me. Yes. And thank you, Jeff. I love it whenever you guys are vocal. If you guys are quiet, then I think I'm doing a bad job. <laughs> and that's just my humanity getting in the way. But if you guys... if If you would, I just want you guys to be vocal a little bit with me today. Is that okay to ask of you? Okay, perfect, perfect. All right, perfect. Thank you. All right, well, first, (laughs) I know that you will, Jeff. I know that you'll let me know if I'm messing up. It's all out of love, brother, right? (laughs) Awesome. Well, first order of business this morning that I want to take care of is I want to bring honor to uh, our pastors, my mom and dad. Yeah, if you would, please. Um. Number one, I want to thank y'all for giving me the opportunity to be up here again. Don't, you're going to make me cry too. My mascara looks good today. I'm kidding. I don't wear mascara, okay? My eyelashes just look that good. (laughs) No, I want to thank them for uh, giving me the opportunity to stand where they have laid a foundation for this this pulpit where it stands. Um, The... 
being their son, I've gotten to hear the stories of struggle. I've gotten to hear the stories of triumph. I've gotten to hear the stories where they didn't want to be here on a Sunday morning because of certain things that may have happened or days where they want to be here. And through thick, through thin, through trial, through celebration, they always hear. And being, being on staff now, getting to see the inner workings of church, getting to see how much they go through for you guys and getting to see how much they care. They, there's not a week that goes by that they don't say, what can we do better? And because of that, thank you. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for uh, loving us the way that you do. Thank you for being good mother and father, mother and father, (laughs) a good mother and a good father to this house. You guys, thank you so much. So one more time. I know you've clapped already three times for them, but they can't, they don't, they deserve a lot more. So thank you. Um, all right. (laughs) Next order of business. I want to welcome our online family, our Kingdom Ranch family watching out in California. Thank you all so much for joining us. If you would give them a hand clap also, you guys' hands are going to be sore after today. But no, I want to say thank you guys for joining us online. Thank you for being a part of our online family. I know that y'all aren't here in-house with us, but that doesn't make you any less a part of our family. You guys are just as much a part of it. And we're happy for you guys that you get to enjoy the message in your PJs, that you get to enjoy it while still making coffee at home. Whatever you're doing, thank you so much that you're a part of our family here at N3C. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, how about we go ahead and jump into the message this morning? Does that sound all right? All right. So this year, 2024, we've kind of been on this track of restoration, right? And what's really cool is that during the, whenever mom and dad asked me to minister, they asked me to minister at the beginning of December or somewhere right around in there. And I said yes. And of course, I panicked a little bit because I don't know what I'm going to minister Uh, I do that probably every single time, 10 out of 10 times, or at least 9.75 times out of 10 times that I minister. I panic a little bit. I'm like, (laughs) but uh, I was thinking about it, what I wanted to minister. And it's funny because I know the exact day. It was December 23rd. It was a Saturday. And it was whenever Lacey and I were getting ready to go to bed. We were, in fact, already in bed. And she had turned out the light. She was already fast asleep. And here I am awake at 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning, thinking. My mind is racing. I, I, why my mind does this on a Sunday whenever I'm supposed to be up five hours later? I don't know. But it do. So <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about this message. And I'm like, golly, what am I going to preach? And then all of a sudden, it comes to me. And it's cool because I had no idea that we were going to be on a track of restoration this year. I had no idea that we were going to be talking about this, be be floating in this vein of restoration. And what's actually really funny, if you can believe it gets funnier than that. (laughs) I have had this message on the inside of me for the better part of around four years. And... I have been thinking about this message. I have wanted to minister it for a really long time, and it just never felt like the right time. Or other messages would take a precedence over it, right? And it's really cool that God gave me this message whenever we're talking about restoration. So the heart behind this message came from a song that I heard while I was interning in Texas. And the song is by Leland. It's from his Better Word album. Uh, if you go to Apple Music, you can look it up. You can just search Leland in the search bar or Spotify, whatever. It's his only live album that he has on Apple Music. I don't know if he has more live albums on Spotify. But there is a song on there called Gold. And I remember hearing this song for the first time, and I was like, this is just such a beautiful song. Like, the, the words behind it, what it talks about, it's so beautiful. In some of the lyrics of the song, it says, Healing all of our wounds with gold, making all things beautiful, and we shall behold our scars turn gold. So with that, let's go ahead and pray really quick. Dear Father God, thank you so much for this day. Lord, we thank you for getting everybody here safely. We thank you for uh, what you're about to minister today, God. 
Lord, I pray that whatever I speak, Lord, it comes from your throne room, God, that it's inspired by you. Lord, that you would use me as a vessel to give somebody what they need today, God. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing today. I thank you that you've prepared our hearts for this morning. And Lord, I just pray that we are able to continue to receive from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So who here has scars? Just about every hand, yeah. By the way, Chris Cagle lied to me. Chicks don't dig scars. Not one time has Lacey looked at me and been like, what's that scar from? Not once, not a one time. Chris Cagle said that chicks dig it. Lacey's never asked me about my scars and been like, that's hot. Never, never. So young men in here, either if you have scars or whatever and you're single, find you a girl that likes scars or just, you know, don't get injured that bad that you need a scar. Just going to throw that out there right now. Um, but I have scars. I have uh, one down here on my shin. Uh, I was going out to feed horses one night, and instead of using the perfectly good gate that my dad had installed in our fence, I decided to climb over the fence because, you know, hey, I'm 16, 17, 15 years old, somewhere in that range. I'm going to climb the fence because that's cool. I don't know why it's cool, but it is. So I climbed over the fence, and whenever I swung my leg over, I hit a T-post, and it split my shin open. And of course, your mom tells you don't pick at it. It's going to leave a scar. And a teenage boy's brain, you're like, hey, scars. Chicks dig it. No, they don't. So now I have a scar on my shin. I have a scar right here on my leg. We were helping some friends of Lacey's move out of their house, and they had a ping pong table. And you know those fins on the bottom of ping pong tables? I don't know what those are for. If anybody can tell me that, I don't know if it's for aerodynamics of a table. I don't know. Tables don't need to be aerodynamic, but it, it had fins on the bottom, you know. These fins were metal and really, really sharp on the corners. And we had set it down on their stairs landing. It was in the basement, so you had to carry it upstairs. Why people put heavy stuff downstairs, I don't know. But it's stupid. <laughs> put it upstairs. <laughs> Anyways, we were carrying it upstairs, we got to the first landing, and I set it down in that metal corner, caught my leg just right, and put a pretty good gash in it, ruined a good pair of swim trunks too, we were at Waterworld that day, you know, it was terrible, it's just a terrible way to end a day, right? I got a scar up here, uh, I crashed a BMX bike practicing, I went up over a hill, uh, the first jump, and the bike came out from underneath me, I landed on my elbow like this, scraped the skin off of it, and I have like a little piece of skin that never healed back right there. Um, that's, that, those are just some of the cool scars, you know? Those are the cool stories. But then you have the lame ones, right? Like, oh, where'd you get that one? Oh, that's a chicken pox scar. <laughs> I got one of those up here on my collarbone. I have another one right here. Uh, I was cutting a box whenever I was little. And the knife slipped and went right into my wrist. You know, lame, right? Why couldn't it have been cool? Like I got attacked by a tiger or something, you know? It's all in how you tell the story. Exactly. It's all in how you tell the story. You got to make it sound cool. I had a, I had a disease and it left these scars on me. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't say that. People might get the wrong idea. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Um, so the point, they start pointing this, no. Everybody has a scar, right? And every scar has its story, right? Whether it's lame, whether it's a cool story, depending on how you tell it, you're always going to have a scar. You're always going to be stuck with a scar, right? Riley, if I could grab that from you. Thank you, sir. So... To demonstrate this point, see if I can get it out of here. Yeah. Pardon me if my hands are shaky. I had coffee this morning and I'm a touch nervous. So right here, I have a coffee cup, right? I just, <laughs> the way I held it up, I am so sorry to this side of the auditorium. I was holding it with my middle finger like this. This is my pointer finger now. I apologize to all of you. I was not in a malicious intent. It was all completely accidental. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm sorry. Man, y'all going to invite me back? <laughs> Fair enough. 
So here, let me put, make sure that my fingers are all in the right place. Here I have a coffee cup, right? Everybody uses a coffee cup, right? Everybody drinks out of one probably every morning, or you drink tea out of one. And this coffee cup, it was designed for a specific purpose, a specific intention, right? It was designed with the maker thinking somebody's going to use this for good things. Somebody's going to use this and get good use out of it, right? It was put on a wheel probably. It was crafted. It was molded. It was shaped. It was painted around the edge right here with a pretty blue ring. It's nice, right? It's a good-looking mug. Well, the thing about this mug is that while it is really pretty, it's a good-looking mug and everything, it's breakable, right? Mugs are really breakable. You have to be careful with them. It's easy to break them. Are you serious? I knew it was going to happen. Are you serious? Just walk away. Let's try it one more time. One more time, okay? There it is. Hey, Walmart has good mugs in case y'all want to know. <laughs> so here we have this mug now, right? Let's see if I can do this without hurting myself. Scars, exactly. We have this mug now that is broken. It's useless. There is no ability to use this now, right? We would see this mug, unless you got really good glue. We see this mug and we think there's no purpose in keeping this anymore. This mug is broken. Can't do what it's intended to do. It's worthless. How many times do we think that about ourselves? That mug is like us. Thank goodness it broke. <laughs> Otherwise, my, my message would have been, you know, without the demonstration. No, we, we often associate ourselves like that mug. It's broken, can't be used, can't do what it was intended to be used for has no purpose anymore, right? And whenever we associate ourselves with that mug, whenever we're scarred, when we're broken, we often think we're useless. There's no intention behind us anymore. There's no purpose for us to be around. We can't do what we, are, we were intended to do. How do I know this? Because I go through it all the time. Through the process of this writing this message, I was telling mom and dad this this week. <laughs> it's a wonder that I showed up here this Sunday. <laughs> I was I was thinking, I'm like, I'm not even good enough to be up here. I'm such a broken person. I sin every day. What gives me the right to be up here? And exactly as I was writing about that mug, that's how I felt. Right? Please tell me I'm not the only one. We can be broken and we can be scarred by a lot of things. We can be broken and scarred by people around us. People can hurt us, right? We can be broken and we can be scarred by circumstances that we go through. Divorce, a family member dying, someone close to us dying, we're in the we're in the red like crazy, you know, we owe this much money to these people and to these people and to these people. Maybe we're diagnosed with something. It's easy to be broken. Unlike this mug that is apparently incredibly durable. <laughs> it's easy to be broken. We're fragile people. We're fragile. And whenever we're broken, it's easy for our heart and our spirit to have those scars, right? It's easy for our heart and our spirit to carry those scars, to be permanently marked with that. 
Well, how many of us know that God doesn't see us as broken? Do we know this? God doesn't see us as broken. God doesn't see us as unusable, right? He never has and he never will. God will never see us as this broken mug that's not usable. In Psalms 147.3, y'all don't have to turn there. I'm just going to go over it real quick. In Psalms 147.3, it says, He heals the wounds of every shattered heart. God takes what broke us and he turns it into a story of restoration. Right? No matter what our brokenness is from, he'll turn it for our good. Amen? That's good. Patting myself on the back, I feel like. <laughs> no, I think that's good because I go through that. I always think, how can God take this brokenness that's within me, this broken person, and turn it to good? Well, we have testimony of how God can do that, right? Yeah. So I went through while I was preparing this message, and I thought of, hey, who, who in the Bible was broken that God used? And of course, you have the examples. You have David. You have Solomon, you have Peter. And I thought, you know what? Those three, not that they're like bad examples. They're incredible examples. And everybody uses them because they are incredible examples, right? So I thought, hey, let's think outside the box. Let's go outside of these three that people use all the time. What are some more people that maybe people are, or maybe y'all don't know near as much about? So I found them. And I'm going, I'm not going to, I'm just going to give you a quick synopsis of their stories. I'm not going to go through it word for word or read the whole entire book because we'd be here till dinner time. We'd have to cater in canes or something like that, which may not be a bad idea. We should do that one Sunday. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, uh, I'm just going to give you a quick, quick synopsis of their stories. And I'm going to give you the book that you can go and read uh, about them. Okay. Does that sound good? So write it down if you're, if you're curious of where you can read about these people. So the first person that I thought of <clears throat> is Job. And I think, let's see if I can remember correctly. You can read about Job in Job. Yeah. Thank you guys. <clears throat> Doing comedy up here. No, uh, so the story of Job, it goes, Job was a pretty wealthy guy and throughout the course of Job, if you want to go read it, the devil comes and he takes everything from Job, everything. He takes his land, he takes his animals, he takes his house, his properties, his kids, even to the point where he takes Job's health. The one condition was that he couldn't kill Job, but he could take his health. So Job loses everything. Absolutely everything. I mean, left with nothing. To the point where Job's wife tells him, why don't you just curse God and die? Like, you know it's bad whenever it gets to that point. <laughs> Again, young men, find you a woman that won't do that. <laughs> no matter how bad things get, for better or for worse, Job's wife didn't necessarily stick with that thing in the vows, but hey, you know. No, uh... Job gets to this place, he doesn't curse God and die, but he comes to a place where he says, why is this happening to me, God? Why are you allowing this to happen? And God comes in and he says, takes him on this journey. I remember watching a TikTok video. Yes, I have TikTok too, Alex. Don't feel like you're the odd one out. I saw this TikTok video and it said, Job asking the question, why? And then God takes him on this journey, pulls him into outer space, shows him the universes, not just our universe, the universes that he's created, shows him DNA, shows him how he's made up, how the animals are made up, and says, how dare you question me, God, who did all of this? How dare you question me? I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. And from that, Job says, you know what, God, you're right. I have no idea why you're doing this, but I know that you're still good and you're still God. And from there, after Job repents, God restores him. God restores him to what he had and more, right? The other person that I thought of was Rahab, the prostitute. Rahab, being a prostitute, she lived in Jericho, on the walls of Jericho. I want you to think about how Rahab was. Being a prostitute, 
She was used. She was probably abused. She probably felt worthless. She probably didn't even want to be in that position in the first place. She probably didn't even want to be a prostitute. And one day the spies come in to Jericho. The Hebrew spies come into Jericho and they need a place to hide because they're getting hunted down by Jericho's guards. And Rahab pulls them into her home and lets them hide there and actually lets them escape. And the guard or the uh, spies tell her, Hey, whenever we come back, your city's going to be destroyed, but hang the cord out your window that you let us escape from. Hang this cord out your window and you and your family will be spared. The Hebrews come back. They march around Jericho. Jericho falls and Rahab and her family is spared. To the point where Joshua tells the spies, go find the prostitute that saved you, that helped you, and bring her into the Israelite camp. She went from being a prostitute, living on the outskirts of Jericho, being used, being abused, feeling worthless, to being brought into the Israelite camp. And it's really cool. I forgot to give you guys where you can read about uh, Rahab. Joshua 2 in Joshua six twenty two through 25, in verse 25, it says, whenever the book of Joshua is wrote, it says that Rahab still lived with the Israelites until then, up to that point. What's also really cool is that whenever you get into the New Testament, whenever it's going through the lineage of Jesus, Rahab is one of Jesus' ancestors. From a prostitute to being a long-lost ancestor, of the Savior of the world. Another person that I thought of is Joseph. And if you want to read about Joseph, you're going to have to do a lot of reading. It's in Genesis chapter 37 and chapter 39 through 45. Joseph was abandoned and he was abused. If you don't know the story of Joseph... Joseph had this gift from God about interpreting dreams. And his brothers didn't really like that. To be fair, Joseph kind of gloated about it a little bit and told them the dreams that he had about like, hey, you guys are going to bow down and worship me one day. I don't know if any of y'all would be okay with being told that from your younger sibling, your youngest sibling. (laughs) If Riata told me that, I'd be like, man, shut up. (laughs) Just being honest, okay? No, Joseph's brothers didn't like that very much. So what did they decide to do? Not beat him up, not not punk him just a little bit. No, they throw him in a pit and then sell him into slavery. So Joseph goes into slavery. He starts working for this guy named Potiphar, and he ends up climbing the ranks of Potiphar's slaves, and he's one of the top slaves in Potiphar's house. Well, Potiphar's wife kind of takes a liking to Joseph. And Joseph, being the upstanding godly man that he was, he says, no, I can't do that. That's nuh-uh. That's my master that you're trying to fool around on, you know. Well, Potiphar's wife doesn't like that, so she accuses him of some pretty unsavory things, and he gets thrown in prison. One of the deepest prisons in Egypt, if I can remember correctly. And he stays there for years. Well, he interprets two of the prisoner's dreams. One of the prisoners dies and the other prisoner goes back to working for Pharaoh. And Joseph is forgot about again. He tells the guy, he says, remember me when you're in Pharaoh's house. And he gets forgotten. So years go by. Pharaoh has a pretty messed up dream and he's looking for somebody who can interpret it. And Joseph comes to this slave's mind. And he says, hey, Pharaoh, 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 listen, I know a guy. He's in like one of your deepest prisons. He's not a bad guy, I promise. (laughs) But he can interpret dreams. So Pharaoh brings him up, and Joseph interprets the dream. And the dream is basically that Egypt and the surrounding land is going to go into a big famine, so you need to start preparing now. The dream comes true. The famine starts, and they are prepared. So Joseph is made second overall in all of Egypt. I mean, right below Pharaoh. Pretty soon his brothers come because his brothers are affected by the, the famine that's going through that land. And through a long process, Joseph forgives his brothers. His brothers repent to him. He forgives them and they're reunited. And it actually begins the process of the Hebrew children coming into Egypt and being a part of the Egyptian culture. And while Joseph is alive, 
things are great, right? And then we know how it kind of goes downhill from there. Moses, the Exodus, you know, burning bush, things of that nature. But while the Hebrew children, or while Joseph was alive, the Hebrew children were allowed to live there in peace. When Joseph went from being the youngest in a family to being thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, being the lowest that you can go, to second in command over a whole entire country, the most powerful country at that time. Another one that I think of, thank you. <laughs> Another one that I think of is the Samaritan woman in the New Testament. When she was at the well, just getting some water one day, and Jesus comes and sits down at the well. The Samaritan woman was divorced five times and was actually with the sixth guy. What's funny is the way that Jesus talks to her, <laughs> their whole interaction is kind of funny because the Samaritan woman is kind of like, you know, at him. And Jesus being Jesus, I swear, me and mom and mom and dad and I were having a conversation. Jesus had a sense of humor. Like, we think that he's this Jesus. He wasn't. He was like funny. He was funny. So Jesus is talking to her and he says, he's telling her about the living water that she can drink and never be thirsty again. And she's like, oh, I got to get me some of this water, man. And he says, well, go get your husband. And she says, I'm not married. And he goes, you're right. You've been married five times and you're living with the guy that he's not even your husband. Yeah. So she, you see this process and this journey that she goes on with Jesus and her heart begins to be softened by him. And then he reveals to her, I'm the Messiah. I'm coming here. I'm here to save you, not just the Jews, but you as a Samaritan who may not get along with us very well. I'm here for you also. So go tell everybody in your town that I'm here. She runs and she tells everybody and everybody comes out of this town. God used a broken, divorced woman who's living in sin at that current moment to go and tell everybody, hey, the good news of Jesus is here. Right? So I think about this, this Samaritan woman. I think about the, the life that she lived. She was divorced five times. And we hear that and we think, ooh, maybe she's a pain to be around. <laughs> maybe so. Maybe so. But maybe her first couple of marriages ended because of abuse. Maybe your first couple of marriages ended because of infidelity, being unfaithful, the other person being unfaithful. And from that, maybe she said, they're just going to be rude to me. They're going to cheat on me. They're going to hit me. They're going to go and mess around with other people behind my back. So why don't I get it out of the way first? Broken people do broken things. We don't know her story. We just know that she was broken. All these people were broken. There's so many more. One that I think of just coming to my mind right now through the course of research was Elisha or Elijah. One of the us that started with a ul. I, I always get them mixed up. But one of them was suicidal. He went to the desert after a major victory with the prophets of Baal, Elijah, thank you, with the prophets of Baal, had a major victory over them and showed how good God was. He goes to the desert and he says, God, just kill me. God, just kill me. Take, take, take the breath out of my lungs, God. Not me. <laughs> but then God uses him still. Elijah was broken to the point of wanting to die. But God still used him. What I think is really cool is that despite their brokenness, God used them. But God didn't just leave them broken. God didn't use them and then just say, hey, thanks, and leave. God restored them, right? Mm -hmm. That's the thing, is that God won't leave you broken. God wants to restore you as well. As I said in the, in the transition time in Romans 8, 28, 
it says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Always works it, works it for our good. Even our brokenness, even our scars. He works it for his good. So back to this song, Gold, by Leland. If I'm remembering correctly, it either he, Leland had already either known about this or somebody told him after he had sang this song. And this person came up to him and he told him, do you know about the art of Kintsugi? Does anybody know about the art of Kintsugi in here? Okay, a couple, handful, a little bit, a couple of people. Don't worry, I'll show you in just a moment. So this word kintsugi, what sucks, I ordered a mug that's a kintsugi mug, and I was so excited for it to get here, and it's supposed to be here tomorrow. How unfortunate is that? But don't worry. So this word kintsugi, it directly translates to gold repair or golden repair. That's the direct translation. The rough translation of it can be translated to beautiful restoration or beautiful repair. So this art of kintsugi, what you do is you take the broken, a broken vessel, a broken mug, broken plate, cup, whatever it might be, something porcelain, And you repair it, but you don't repair it with staples or with regular glue. At least if you would put that picture up there. Instead, it's repaired with lacquer or an adhesive and gold dust. So this art form of kintsugi, if you would just keep that, keep that picture up there for me, Elise. This art form of kintsugi, the whole idea behind it is that whenever you, uh, whenever this vessel breaks, whenever this cup or this mug or whatever breaks, you repair it with the lacquer and the gold. And the gold dust that's put into the lacquer, it makes the adhesive stronger. And it's actual gold. It's not fake gold. It's not fool's gold. It's not something that you pull out of a river up at a tourist attraction up in the mountains. It's real gold. This is the exact mug that I bought. I think it's put back together with 18 karat gold. I spent a little bit of money on it, but I was so excited. I've always wanted one of these mugs since I've heard this song, Gold by Leland. The gold in that adhesive makes the mug more valuable too. But it also, not only does it make it more valuable and more durable, but it also doesn't hide the cracks, if anything, it accentuates them, makes them more noticeable, right? So if we are this, if we see ourselves as this broken, useless mug, I want you to think that our father sees us as that. He sees us as this beautiful piece that has so much potential. What's really cool is that I ordered mine to be usable. I ordered mine to be able to drink out of. It's able to have purpose again. It's able to be used again for what it was intended to be used for, right? In Isaiah 26, verse 3, it says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All those... All whose thoughts are fixed on you. So that word perfect peace in there is that is the word shalom. And if you don't know what the word shalom means, it means perfect peace. <laughs> but it also means nothing missing and nothing broken. That word shalom, meaning nothing missing, nothing broken, that's how God sees us. But how do we obtain this this shalom, this nothing missing and nothing broken? How do we get there? Well, it says, all who trust in you, you'll keep them in perfect peace. All those whose thoughts are fixed on you, you will keep them in perfect peace. So that tells me that I need to be seeking Jesus every day if I want to be kept in that perfect peace. If I want to be kept in this place where I am 
in that shalom where I am, have nothing missing, where I have nothing broken. I need to be in this place where I'm seeking God daily, where I'm seeking him all the time, where it doesn't matter what the doctors may have told me, where it doesn't matter what I just did, what I just did sinning, what, I, what I've heard from other people, what somebody has said about me. It doesn't matter because I am constantly chasing God and I'm saying it doesn't matter how, how cracked, how broken, how scarred I am on the inside because, God, you see me beautiful like you see that mug. I'm not this broken piece of trash down here. You have made me beautiful. You've taken the cracks. You've taken the scars that I have and you have sealed them with your perfect peace and made me usable and have purpose and value and, value, and I'm more strong now. Right? That's how God sees us whenever we're walking in that perfect peace with him. Whenever we're seeking him constantly, he sees us as that kintsugi mug. That's sealed. That doesn't have cracks in it. That's not broken. Instead, it's beautifully restored. Right? The only way that we can obtain that perfect peace... Is by seeking after God, by following Him daily, by saying, I don't care what my circumstances may be. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep seeking. I'm going to keep worshiping. It doesn't matter how many times I sin, because God, I'm going to keep seeking you. I don't care if I've messed up. I'm not going to run away. Instead, I'm going to draw closer to my Father. And follow, and fall into him, and let him tell me that I'm okay, that it's okay. I got you, son. I got you, girl. Whatever that might look like for you, we have to keep seeking him no matter what. Even in the midst of our brokenness. So, because it is Family Sunday, I want to keep this message a little bit short. I know that we have littles in here that are probably itching to go get some buffet food, you know. I <laughs> yeah, I say littles. I mean, the adults are looking for it just as much. So I'm going to go ahead and start wrapping up with this. I want you to imagine with me for just a moment. I want you to think... What would it look like if we allowed God to use our scars? What would it look like if we allowed God to use our scars? What do I mean? Let me tell you. If we're just like this broken mug up here, but we don't allow God to use our scars, if we pull away because we're broken and we see ourselves as ugly, as we see ourselves as not worthy enough to be where God has called us to be, we pull away and we remain that broken mug, right? We pull away from God. We try to hide ourselves from him. And we say, I, I, I'm not good enough. And we stay in pieces. We stay, I don't want to say useless because we're not useless. But we see ourselves as that way. We stay in this place of where we we still think we're broken whenever we're not because God has already repaired us. God's already put us back together. When we allow God to heal us, when we allow him to come into our lives, when we allow him to clean up the mess, to let him repair the brokenness on the inside of us, we become that kintsugi mug and our scars are able to be used. Right? And I think about the testimonies that come from scars. We look at the brokenness of Job, of Rahab, of, of Joseph, of the Samaritan woman, and we think God used them despite their brokenness, whether it be from themselves, from other people, from their circumstances. Why can't God use me that way? Because of their testimony, right? Our cracks and our scars are the story of hurt. It's a story of what we've walked through. But whenever we allow God to heal us and fill us with his gold, with his perfect peace, that's whenever it becomes a testimony. At first, with our brokenness, it's just a story. 
of look at the crap that I've been through. <laughs> but then whenever we allow God to heal us, when we allow him to put, put us back together, it turns into a story or a testimony of look at what I've been through and look how God has pulled me out. Look at what God has brought me through. Look at these scars that I may have gotten. But this is what once was bloody, what once was scabbed over, what once was nasty, infected, is now a story of how much God wants to pull me out of that nasty situation. It's a story of how much Jesus loves you enough to see past your brokenness and to see the beauty that lies beyond that. So as I was thinking about this, I know that there's probably people in here because I'm one of those people that looks at our scars, that looks at the cracks and thinks, gosh, that's ugly. Why, why do I have to have that? Why does that have to be a part of my story? I think about those things and the, the, the things that I've walked through that I hate having to walk through that. And I know that there's people in here that feel the exact same way. Maybe you have anxiety over the way that people might look at you because of your scars, over the way that people might say, oh, golly, (laughs) man, did you try to climb through a barbed wire fence? (laughs) Who slammed you on the ground? You ain't no Walmart mug. (laughs) I know that there's people in here that think that way because I think that way. What? As I was coming up with this, I'm proud to say that I thought of this all on my own. If our Savior, Jesus, can have scars, one right there, one right there, between his ankles, on his side. If Jesus can have scars, it's okay for me to have scars. Because Jesus' scars were a testimony of, this is how much I love you. Jesus' scars were a testimony to Thomas, like Dad was saying last week, of saying, I won't believe it until I see it. And Thomas felt the scars on Jesus' wrist. And he kneels down in front of him and he says, you're back like you promised. That's what your scars can do for somebody. Your scars can be a testimony to somebody. Jesus says greater works than these that you will do, right? So if Jesus is able to use his scars, imagine how much more he can use yours, right? Imagine how much more. Somebody may be in here and they're like, I'm, I am divorced. I'm coming out of a divorce. I don't know what the next step is. Hey, there's somebody in here that's been divorced that has a happy marriage now. Use their scars, Look at the scars that they have and say, you know what? I may be messed up now. I may be broken, but hey, God brought them through so I can be brought through as well. I'm struggling with alcoholism. What am I going to do? There's people in here I know that have been through alcoholism and have been redeemed, have been brought through. That addiction has been broken. There's people in here that are cancer survivors. There's people in here that have overcome diseases that we don't know about. People that, people that are in here that have family generational curses on them that they don't know how they're going to get out of them. But guess what? People in here have broken generational curses off of them, off of their kids, off of their grandkids. Use that testimony. We can't get rid of our past. We can't get rid of the breaks. We can't get rid of the, the, the nicks, the chips that are taken out of us. But whenever we seek Jesus, when we seek God, whenever we seek that perfect peace that he has for us, those scars, those cracks, those nicks, those chips, those pieces that have been lost that we can't find anymore that leave a gap in what we are, those things are filled. Not only are they filled, they aren't hidden. They're made even more pronounced. They're accentuated because God says, it's beautiful to me. It's beautiful to me because I look at that and I say, I love you that much. Right? We're all broken. Whether you think that you are or you're not. We're all broken. Josh was saying that we have to, we have to feel to heal, right? 
Maybe you just haven't felt yet. Maybe you've buried it so deep and you've put so much glue on that crack that you can't really notice it anymore, but it's so fragile right there. You have to keep putting glue on it. You have to keep mending it back together. And you're trying to mend it back together yourself. You're trying to mend it back together with things that can't do it for you. But as soon as you turn and you seek Jesus and you say, you know what, despite my disgusting, despite what I feel is disgusting, despite what I think is broken, despite what I think is unusable, I'm still going to let you use me. I'm still going to let you use me, God. And that is choosing to feel it. That's choosing to let God heal it, right? Like I said, you aren't going to get rid of the cracks. You aren't going to get rid of the scars. They're there forever. But God makes them beautiful. God is the only one who can make those things beautiful. Me personally, whenever I look at that Kintsugi mug, there's a reason why I bought one. There's a reason why I said, I want this so bad, I'm willing to spend the money to get it. The reason why is because it's beautiful to me. It's so cool to see what once was broken being put back together and made more valuable, more durable, stronger. It's so cool to me to see. Exactly, it's beautiful. We're that same exact way, right? So my encouragement to you today Let God use your scars. It's okay to show God your scars. It's okay to show him you're messy, you're unclean, you're dirty, you're broken. Because he already knows about it. You may think that you're hiding it from him pretty well, but he knows. It's like whenever you're a kid and you shove all your toys underneath your bed. (laughs) Your parents know. Shove everything into the closet. They won't know. They know. Or they're going to find it whenever they go in there to pick out your clothes for the next morning for school. God knows. And even still with him knowing, he says, come on. I want you. Let me show you how beautiful I can make you. Let me show you how pretty you are. As a guy, that's a weird thing to, to, to think about. But it's true. God's looking at you and your mess and your dirty and maybe you're standing in front of it saying, I don't, I don't want to show you. But it's piled this high and it's about that wide and you're only this wide and this tall and you think you're blocking it pretty well. God's saying, just move out of the way. Get your humanity out of the way. Get your pride out of the way. Just let me help. God's a pretty, pretty good cleaning service. He's a really good... I don't know how you say it, pottery master. It's really good at painting over those cracks with his gold. And he's really good at making it beautiful, watertight, making it something that's to behold. Right? Okay, I'm going to do it. Um... got this word later this week or earlier this week, not later. I'm not a time teller or time traveler. Um, I got this word earlier this week and I don't know who it's for. And I'm sorry that kids are in here, but it's something I'm sitting here and I just can't get it out of my head. But I want to, the word that came to me, and like I said, parents, I'm sorry, but the word that came to me was virginity. And I feel like there's somebody in here that gave that away. And you regret that deeply. And you're so nervous to tell your future spouse about it. And you're so anxious on the inside and thinking, God, they're, they're not going to love me the same way that they once did. They're not going to, they're, they're going to hear that and they're going to turn me away, that they're going to break up with me. They're going to do something that is going to hurt me. Okay. 
I don't know who that is. I'm not asking you to stand up. I'm not asking you to um, come to the front and we're going to lay hands on you and do a prayer line and woo, you know, we're not going to do that. But I want you, as you're sitting here in your place, I want you to know that your daddy in heaven sees you and he says, I've never seen you as missing pieces. You're not damaged goods to me. You're still my daughter. You're still my son. And I love you so much. And somewhere out there, there's going to be somebody who says, I don't care about the past. I don't care about who you were. But I love you for who you are and who you are right now. I don't know who that is. I could be completely missing the mark. I could be pulling stuff out of my butt. (laughs) But, but I just, I really just feel like that's somebody in here that is saying, I'm so broken. That I don't know if somebody could even love me again. And I want you to know Like I said, your Father in Heaven loves you. And He's saying, just come come sit in my lap. Just come sit in my lap. Let me love you the way that you should be loved. You're not damaged goods. You're not ruined. You're not broken. You're not missing pieces. You're not in a place where you're not unusable anymore. Because your Father in Heaven sees you as holy. Your Father in Heaven sees you as beautiful. Your Father in Heaven sees you as that perfect bride, like He sees the church. So like I said, I don't know who that's for. And I'm not asking you to come up and tell me at the end of service. I'm not asking for you to stand up right now or raise a hand or anything like that. I just want you to receive that where you're at. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Is there a kid in here that's been bullied, that's being bullied currently? If, if you don't want to raise your hand, that's totally fine. I get it. That's a, it can be kind of a hard thing to admit to or to, uh, you know, say that you are. I don't know what kids are saying to you at school. Golly, I hope it's okay that I'm going over time. I'm sorry. I don't know what kids are saying to you at school. I don't know what they're calling you. I don't know the names that they're calling you. I don't know what they've done to you. But what I want you to know is that Jesus sees you. He's not far away from you. He's standing right there with you. And I want you, the next time that one of those bullies, I can't tell you that it's going to get better. I can't tell you, it, it will get better eventually. And I can't tell you that they're going to, that you're going to go to school on Monday and they're going to leave you alone or anything like that. I can't make that promise to you wherever you are. But I want you to know that Jesus is watching you and he's standing, he's not just watching you, he's standing right next to you. Hip to hip. And the next time those kids start making fun of you, they start picking on you. I want you to really listen to what Jesus is saying. And it may be hard in that moment. And if you need to find promises of what God has called you, what Jesus has told you that you are, that you're worth everything, his life, that you're valuable, that he loves you. That you're not a pinhead, that you're smart, you have the mind of Christ. You don't look weird. You were created in His image. That you have purpose. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says that I have made you with plans in mind. That's just the RJGV, Rhett James Gleghorn version. 
He has made you with purpose in mind. He has made you with plans in mind. And who knows? I, I want you to keep your heart soft towards your bullies. Because one day you could be showing them the love of Jesus that they didn't know and during this time that they were bullying you. Just be gracious towards them. Okay? Okay. I don't know who that was for. I don't know if that made sense to anybody up here. But I want to be obedient to what God's telling me to do. So let's go ahead and pray. We'll get you guys out of here. I'm sorry I went over time for Family Sunday. I apologize. But let's go ahead. We'll pray. We'll get you all out of here, okay? Dear Father God, thank you so much for getting us all here safely. Thank you for, um, God, thank you for just being you. Thank you for loving us despite our brokenness. Thank you for, thank you for taking us in when we were gross, when we were dirty, when we were messed up, when we were broken. God, you saw us despite that. You saw us despite that and you still welcomed us with open arms. God, we thank you for it. We thank you for your goodness to call us sons and daughters even whenever we've ran away so far from you. God, we thank you for your willingness to, to fix the brokenness within us even if we've caused it ourselves. God, we thank you for putting us back together whenever we come to you, not reprimanding us, not making us feel less than, not making us feel unworthy, but with no questions asked, you just accept us back. If you're in here this morning and you are in that place where you say, I feel like that broken vessel, I've never given God the chance to fix me. But I want to because I have places missing, I have, pe I have pieces missing, I have places where I'm, I'm chipped, I'm broken, and I know that I need to be put back together. If that's you, I'm going to ask everybody to open their eyes, if that's okay. I'm going to ask if that's you, if you're in this place and you, you say, I've never given God the chance to even be welcome to put me back together. I'm going to ask you to do something brave. And I want you to either take a stand, stand up, or raise your hand, whatever you feel comfortable doing. Whoever that is that says, I've never given God a chance. And God, I want to give you that chance now. Thank you, Jesus. All right. I see you. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And if you're in here and you maybe have been put back together, but somehow you ended up like this mug again, or somehow you got a couple chips in you and you haven't come back to let Jesus fix those chips to fill, fill in those spots if that's you I want you to stand up or raise your hand whoever that is I'm going to raise my hand because I'm in that same exact spot thank you Father God you're so good mm, okay I said this last time, I was editing my message to send out to Kingdom Ranch and I cried at the exact same spot and I'm like, God, you big baby. <laughs> but what's so cool is that there was one hand that accepted Jesus for the first time. That's cool. That's so cool. And there were a bunch of hands he said, God, I'm coming back. Accepted you, but God, I need you to work some, work some magic on my heart. I think that is so cool because one person changed their eternity forever. And it says in the Bible that whenever somebody comes back home, <laughs> not just the angels, but God gets up and he starts dancing. Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Wow, sweet moment, right? Way to ruin it. <laughs> no, it says that, that God gets up and he starts dancing. He celebrates one of his kids coming back home. And the celebration is just the same whenever a child comes back. 
whenever he says, I need, I need some work. So to the one that accepted Jesus, welcome home. We've missed you. God has missed you. And for those who have raised their hands, welcome back. We've missed you just the same. You guys, thank you so much for giving me your time this morning. Thank you for listening. I know I'm kind of taking Alex's job, um, but I'm going to make myself available. If you are in here and maybe you're thinking I'm broken, I would love for you to come up and I'll pray with you. I'm going to make myself available. I'm not going to take like a super long time. If there's a lot of people coming up, I don't want to take up a bunch of time because I got a meeting to get to in the back. But I just want to make myself available to y'all. We also have an amazing prayer team. Miss Christine has done an amazing job with our prayer team. They were already amazing. Christine just keeps adding levels to it. So if you would come up and see our prayer team also. Alex, I'm going to let you do your job now instead of me taking it from you. Uh, Watch the pottery up here from this incredibly durable Walmart mug. Uh, If you would, try to scoot as close to these chairs as possible. I'll get a broom or something and clean it up. So thank you guys so much. I love you all. Thank you.